joining us at Daybreak Church. We are currently walking through a series called Carols of the King as we look at old Christmas songs that point us and direct us to the good news of Jesus Christ, that he is coming again. Please enjoy. Hello, everyone. I'm Maddie. And today we're going to be reading Luke 2, 13 through 15. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what he has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Thank you, Patty. We are currently in a series called Carols of the King, looking at some of our favorite Christmas carols. And this morning, we're going to be looking at angels we have heard on high for just a minute or so. Um, I'm going to set us up this morning um, yeah, to, to kind of goes along really with what we're talking about this morning. Um, so these carols that we sing, we talked about this last Sunday, um, they, they really kind of help set a tone uh, for the Christmas season. The, these carols are meant to teach. They proclaim things um, about Jesus. They proclaim things about his coming, um, his coming again. Um, and so we talked about this last week with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, that there was this promise in the Old Testament that God was making things right by sending his son, Jesus, that he would make a way. And so this Messiah was this one that the Israelites were waiting for. And they were in captivity, uh, constantly waiting, longing for the Messiah to come. And so we know on this side of history uh, that the Messiah has come, that Jesus has come. And so when we sing songs like, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, we sing it with a little bit of a different lens. Not that this, the Messiah will come first, but that he will come again. And so it raises us to, again, yet rejoice. Rejoice because the Messiah has come and is coming again. And so this morning, as we will be singing Angels We've Heard on High, it's important for us to have this lens for us that when we sing Christmas songs, we're not singing about this old ancient longing. We're singing about a longing for that which is to come. This longing for heaven, this longing for the promise of Jesus' return, the longing for things to be made right in our lives fully. And I don't know about you, uh, but if you've had a week, just a little preach it will be fine. If you've had a week where you are longing for Jesus to come back, just, just throw it out. Preach it. Like, give, I need Jesus. Anybody? Just me? Okay. <laughs> me and Chris. Me and Chris. <laughs> that, that we, we need to be honest with this. And when we look at our lives, we can reflect and go, man, this is not how it should be. And what I love about the gospel is the gospel both looks us straight in the face and says, you're right, it's not. Your life will never be what it is fully meant to be without Jesus, ever. You can fill it with as many things as you want. You can fill it with as much purpose, as much friends, uh, as, as much work, as much money, as much fill in the blank as you want, and it will leave you empty in the end. But Jesus gives us this promise that I will be your everything. I will be your Makarios to bring us back to where we were in the Sermon on the Mount. I will be the, that which helps you flourish fully in your life. And so there comes this moment for us that have said yes to Jesus, um, that, that I believe this to be true. It's our mission and vision here at, at Daybreak Church. You hear us say it often, uh, that as a church we exist to simply share the story of God with people so that people can belong to the story of God. Now, why is that important? That is important because I believe the story of God brings about transformation in people's life. It helps people know God. When we grow into the story of God, we read the scriptures, it helps us know more about who our Heavenly Father is. It helps us know more about His story of working in and throughout our life. Not only does knowing the story of God help us know God, knowing the story helps us find freedom. 
Um, I don't know about you, but when I look at my life, there are things in my life that I know that I'm still bound to, things that I've not yet overcome in my life. And yet the word of God says that I am more than a conqueror in Christ, that there is freedom and movement to be had in my life. And so there's a promise that God gives to us that he will free us here in this world as well as the world to come. And so the story of God helps me know that there's freedom to be found. The story of God tells me this promise that I have a purpose, that I have not been, I'm not an accident. I've not been made as an accident, but I have been made on purpose, intentionally. And so we see this in the Psalms where it says that he has perfectly and wonderfully made us, knowing every single hair on our head, even those that begin to fall out, like he knows them. In uh, Ephesians, it tells us that we are his workmanship, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So we know the story of God. We grow in this knowing that we have been made on purpose. And then when we know the story of God, we know that we aren't at the center of it, but Jesus is. And so that leads us to then make much of Jesus in everything that we do. In our life, in our work, the way that we speak to people, the way that we spend our money, the way that we raise our children, the way that our kids go to school. I want to brag, Cullen's not up here so he won't get a big head when I say this. Um, how old's Cullen, Dale? Nine. Nine years old. Last Sunday, Cullen comes up says, I need 23. I need 23 invite cards. Um, well, so he goes, we have these little cards right over there. They're black, um, black and white, really beautiful. Kind of shares a little bit of somebody's story as to why they're here in the church. So Colin, I'm watching him over there. He's counting them. He's like, one, two. I'm like, what are you doing, Colin? He's like, I need 23 of these. Well, there's six out, and we don't have 23 more. And he's like, Ugh. And I'm like, what do you need? I will help you with whatever you need. He's like, I want to invite my class to church. And so I need invitations. I was like, okay, we've got Christmas invites. And he's like, oh, I guess that'll work. And I'm like, sorry, we, we're, we'll get on it, sir. But I'm watching this nine-year-old, and this is what I love about people like Colin. And I say people, not just kids. We don't, I don't want us as a church looking to go, oh, how cute. Colin gets it. Why don't we? We don't look at that as a child and go, oh, look at how cute that little child is wanting to invite people to church. Like, no, Cullen sees the story of God and sees what God is doing in this place. He goes, I want my friends to see this. I want my friends to be a part of this. And the, the childlike faith of that is where Jesus says, you too can have this childlike faith. Like, I'm going to brag on David for a second. <laughs> David didn't know I was going to do this. David drives Uber. So if you ever need an Uber uh, late at night, give David a call. Um, but David, has, the reason we don't have 23 cards is because David takes a stack every Sunday so that as he drives people, he hands them a card. That our lens would become this of, okay, this is a beautiful story that God is sharing and doing in my life, and I want other people to see it. I want other people to see him. I want other people to know the story of God. Why? Not just so that I can be a good storyteller, not just so that I can give these church cards and church invites away to people, but I want people to belong to the story of God. That it's in this belonging to his story that they know God, they find freedom, they discover their purpose, and then they too can make much of Jesus. In the song that we're singing today, in the carol that we've all heard before, Angels We've Heard on High, I want to draw our attention. The slide's going to be up that just has a portion of the song this morning that I want to draw our attention to. And so uh, in the second refrain, it says this, Shepherds, why this jubilee, why your joyous strains prolong? Say what may the tiding be which inspire your heavenly song. So as we look at this, I want to go and just leave this up. There's, uh, I was talking with a few of us earlier in What's interesting, we sing these songs every season. And if we're not careful, songs will just simply become just more words in a tune that roll off our lips. The season becomes just another season for us to buy things and just give away things to people. But when we look at the words, we see a depth, we see a beautiful robustness of what the author was trying to communicate. 
And so when we see this angels we have heard on high, I want us to lock this in, that someone at some point heard something. The story that we just read out of Luke chapter 2. The shepherds heard good news. The Messiah was born. And so we kind of lead off of that. Of They hear this good news, and with great joy, they run off to meet him. And so this song we have, kind of a, kind of a play on this, the, the, the angel, if it were, are asking the shepherds, why this jubilee? Why this excitement? Why do you have this energy in your soul? Why are you so joyous? Why, why does the joyous strain, so the song that's coming out of your mouth, why is it prolonged? And this last refrain I want to see, say what may the tiding be? Say what inspires you. If you have tasted and seen that Jesus is good, my question for you today is why don't you share that? Why don't you share the story of God? Because here, here's a truth. If you're a note taker, you can write this down. If you have a pulse and have said yes to Jesus... He is writing a story in your life. Simply put, he is authoring your salvation. He is writing your story to glorify him in every type of way. The challenge comes to us, I think, is sometimes we get in our head of like, well, I don't have a good story to share. And I've told this story before when I first became a Christian. Um, I struggled with my testimony, because I, I grew up in an abusive household. My dad was uh, really abusive physically and verbally. Um, my mom was distant in time just to kind of try to keep the peace. And it was in, in the, that moment where um, I came to know Christ that I struggled knowing, okay, like, what is my story? Where does my story begin? Like, um, I would hear these testimonies from youth pastors and, and different uh, different communicators, they would start talking like, yeah, so like I robbed a bank and then I like stole a whole bunch of stuff and then like I did 400 pounds of cocaine and like just like hurt things and I'm like, and then like, and then I met Jesus and now I'm perfect and amazing. And I'm like, well, that's not my story. I mean, not been that crazy. I've not been that bad. I've not done anything that sinful and so how do I share my story? How do I share the story of a young, chubby little farm kid whose dad is abusive? Like, where's the gospel in that? Well, I can tell you. The gospel is, even though I had a heavenly, or an earthly father who was broken and didn't know, how to, didn't know how to show the grace and love of God, I have a heavenly father who loved me so much that he sent his only begotten son for me. A heavenly father who doesn't just look at me as a chubby farm kid. Says, I see purpose in this kid. I see a gift in him to talk a lot. I see a purpose in him to share my story with people. What I love about God now when I look back at his story in my life at 35 years old. So this year will make 20 years of, for me following after Jesus. I gave my life to Christ when I was 15. And I love the fact that Scripture tells me that Jesus, at age 15, driving a Farm H tractor brush hog, uh, cutting some wheat, that Jesus looked down and said, man, I want to send this kid to Kenosha, Wisconsin to tell people about Jesus. Like, that's the Savior that I worship. That's the Father who writes a story that as we look at our life, we see him working his self out in our lives. And it doesn't even have to be that crazy. It can be, man, I gave, like all I've ever known is church. All I've ever known is Jesus. Amen. Preach that. Proclaim that. That in God's kindness, he's given you a family that loves the Lord and has raised you up to love him too. Like that is a phenomenal story that we grow in learning to share. And so this morning when we see this song, that we would grow in this question of what is my story with Jesus? What is he doing in my life? Is he writing a story? Am I living a life well enough? Am I living a life in, in, in a state of trying to be active with my faith that I have stories to tell? That I'm able to say, yeah, I tried sharing my faith with my friend at school and they threw an apple at me. 
Awesome. Keep sharing those stories. We have the faith of Colin, nine years old. I'm going to invite all 23 of my friends to school. He asked his teacher permission. And I'm sure it was one of those like, yeah, sure, what are you going to do? I'm just going to invite my friends to something. Oh, sure, go right ahead. So we have this church thing. It's like, oh, no. Ah, no. Like just the beauty of, of faith of just... This is a story that God is writing. Are you growing and knowing how to share it? And so this morning I've asked three of my really close friends um, to share a little bit of their story this morning. Um, just a simple question of why Jesus? What about Jesus? Like has just brought you joy, just sharing their story. And my hope for this morning is it's going to be varied. You're going to see and, and hear different experiences and the, the point isn't to marvel in their story. The point is to marvel at their Savior. Let me say that again. The point is not to marvel at their story. Go, man, you're so strong. You're so great. Oh, I can't believe you've overcome that. It's to marvel at their Savior who is redeemed and redeeming their story. Like, that's what we hear. The, the way that we look at it is that Christ is the picture in our life. Our story is merely the frame that it gets put in. And so this morning, I ask you to take note even of, of yourself. Like, what is the frame of my story right now? How am I allowing Jesus to be center stage? And so as Jess comes up first, I'm going to pray for her and pray for us this morning. So if you would, join me as we pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your mercy and your kindness God, I thank you that you are the author of not just my salvation, but every single person in this room who has said yes to you, that has said yes to following after you. And so if, we, if we've said yes to you, we have a story. We have a story rooted in you. And so Jesus, I ask this morning as we hear from, from Jess and from Jane and from Shannon, God, that we would just grow in knowing more and more of your mercy, more and more of your grace, more and more of your story working itself out in our life. And so, Father, we ask all of this for your glory and for our good. And everyone said. Hey, guys. Um, so bear with me. I have a little bit of a cold, so I have to clear my throat. It's not you. It's me. Um, so my name is Jess Konis. I have been coming to Daybreak for about three-ish years. Um, but my story doesn't begin there. My story started when I was a little kid. Um, so I have grown up my entire life living and breathing the community of the body of the church. Um, I am a fifth generation of one of the local churches here, and my family very much prided themselves on that, that my grandma's artwork hung in the hallways of that church, that we helped build those walls. My mom was on every committee possible. We sang in choir. I was a part of the musicals. I was a VBS leader. Like, I lived and breathed it, but I didn't know Jesus. I was a little kid that I, I knew how the walk was. I knew the fundamentals of it, and um, I knew how to show up. I was really good at the showing up, and my mom was phenomenal at that. Um, but my family, we had a different dynamic. We had a lot going on, though. I grew up most of my life with a very tight-knit family where we had Sunday night dinners. We constantly were hanging out with everybody. My grandma is a choir director, and she would teach me piano very regularly. And I, um, I was very involved in music. It breathed life into me. But I also had another side to my family life. Um, I have a dad that is mentally unstable. Um, he suffers from bipolar disorder. Um, he's also an addict, but that's part of my story too, is that I'm a child of an addict. I'm a child of a bipolar patient and I've been through a lot with him. But when I was going through the thick of it, I, I was broken, I was extremely broken. And I let my brokenness tell me that I was a victim. 
tell me that I had a stamp across my forehead saying, you are a child of an addict and you can be nothing else. And um, so I grew up my life that way. And so I started distancing myself from the body of the church. I started distancing myself from my family, my lifeblood, my community. Um, and I started finding my community in other places. I was a high schooler. When you're a high schooler, everything is fun. You gotta go out with your friends, go to homecoming and be a part of everything. But community isn't found in those things, it's distractions. And I started seeing how my brokenness was telling my story for me. And people started seeing me as that person that didn't have a lot. I was searching for something, I was lost. And it was really exhausting. And it was really hard to get up in the morning and I started putting those labels on myself. So from the ages of 17 to 27, I, I would be like, yeah, I know that guy, Jesus. He's my homeboy. I did have that t-shirt, do not hate. But, like, I get it. I understand it. But I didn't really. And so um, I think one of the craziest things for me was that I was living in a very metropolitan city. I was living in downtown Chicago with my husband. We dated for about three years before we got married in 2014. And um, during that time, as we were getting ready for the wedding, I felt these pushes, these natural, supernatural pushes in my soul that I needed more. And I was looking to my husband to be that more. He can't. He's a human. I'm a human. We're all human here. And all of a sudden, I looked on the other side of it, and I'm like, I get it, God. You're tugging at me. You found me in the darkest of places, and I, I, I guess I'll listen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. So we started trying to find a church, but at that time, my husband was very skeptical. Um, he grew up Catholic. He grew up in a serve first, ask later kind of culture. Um, he grew up in religious schools, so it's a much different um, atmosphere. And so one thing that kind of pushed me as we were living in Chicago, I just started diving deeper into worship and into Bible study. But the reason I got pushed even further was because I have a phenomenal best friend. Her name is Sarah, and she is the epitome of a sister in Christ. She is the ultimate prayer warrior. I could sing her praises to everybody. If you want to ask me about her, I will tell you. And uh, she lived in Nebraska while um, she was trying to get a job. So she lived in Nebraska. She went, really wanted to work for Cabela's um, as a graphic designer. She had her heart set on it. Weird, I know. Um, but the thing that was amazing was that she saw all of my broken pieces. Um, but the thing is, is that we physically were never close together after um, high school. We were always in different places at different times. We would visit each other, everything. We would have Skype dates, phone calls, letters, emails. We did everything. But the beautiful thing that Sarah always did was breathe life into me with God's word. When things were really dark, she would send me a box with little candies that all had scripture written on them. She would send me journals that would have um, the first five pages already written out of the prayer that she had for me. She would share testimony of other people that she was going to church with. And uh, the best thing is that she um, met her husband through Christ community in Nebraska. And um, they legitimately met, got married four months later, and now they have a very beautiful family in Kansas. But the magical thing about Sarah was that she never gave up. She knew I was in that dark corner. She knew that I was hurting. And whenever she saw me suffering the most is when she tried to breathe more life into me with God's word, not hers. And I think that was my turning point was like, she has so much grace and so much joy for Jesus. And I'm like, I want that. I'm like, 
I have so many broken pieces. I'm tired of wearing that victim label. I'm tired of being that person that's empty. And I started seeking after him. And I started seeking after him in She Reached Truth Bible Studies. I started seeking after him with worship, with community, with others, um, trying to serve the homeless in Chicago and doing those type of things. But my ultimate call was to move back here to Kenosha. Um, my husband and I, we um, really wanted to start a family. And we had an opportunity to. We uh, pretty much said, we need a house for that. We need a house for a family. We can't live in a condo. By the way, our apartment was like 750 square feet. It was very, very small. And we lived in a very shysty neighborhood. And that's being really nice. Um, but we were like, we can't raise a family here. That's insane. Well, um, at that point, we were, we were having a family. And um, we bought a beautiful house. We moved back to Kenosha. And our families were so excited. Um, and I was really excited, too. Um, and then the family didn't happen. And so we had this big, beautiful house. To me, it's big because of the 700-foot square apartment. Um, it's ginormous. And so I didn't get that family. I had a bedroom empty, a bedroom empty that was supposed to be full. But the thing is, is that I had God on the other side of that. I had Jesus with his hand on my back telling me, sister, I know this is going to be painful, but wait. And I'm not on this other side of that story yet. I really am not. I'm living it. I'm breathing it. And it's really weird that I'm telling you all this. Um, but I am still living out that story. I followed his obedience of being here. But the beautiful thing about being here is that now my husband comes to church with me. My mom gets to sit next to me in the... Um, at church on Sunday mornings and worship with me. We get to harmonize together. Um, <laughs> and I get to have those invitation. I get to have those moments of invitation of sharing God's word because, man, that story, it bites. <laughs> that waiting, it sucks. It hurts so much. But, man, oh, man, like, to have my husband here with me, to have my mom next to me, to be able to have a relationship with Maddie and all the other people in my dinner party, and uh, the fact that I get to live and breathe this joy every single day, even though I'm going through the hard stuff, that is God's story. That is why we're all here. And that's the beautiful thing about being a sister and brother in Christ is that no matter what's going on, it could be the bleakest of situations, and I know that everyone's story is so significantly different, but we get to grow in community together, a true community, a community of grace, of fullness, of um, lots of spoken words, lots of laughs, and I think that I just want more people in here, and I think that in a community where it seems really bleak, that's when you need to be that light. And honestly, sometimes people will be like, oh my gosh, Jess, that's a lot going on. Are you overwhelmed? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I am, but it could be so much worse. And honestly, I get to pray every day that he's taking care of it. And I mean, that's really hard for anybody that knows me. I'm a control freak, control freak. Like, this is the definition, I'm in the dictionary. And it's really hard for me to give things to God. It's really hard for me to tell Jesus, like, brother, I need you. Can you just guide me through this? And I think that the most beautiful thing is that I, at the end of the day, I'm really, really tired and I just do it. And I get to sleep at night knowing that the waiting, the, the pain, it's going to be all worth it because I get to invite people into this community and I get to grow with all of you. So that is my joy. That is why I like singing that heavenly song. And that's why I get to choose Jesus every single day.
Good morning, everyone. Um, when Britt asked me to speak today, I've had a ton of anxiety all week. I'm not one to get up and speak in front of people, so just bear with me here. Um, my name is Jane, and I've been coming to Daybreak for three and a half years, about, well, a little over three. Um, why the joy in my life because of Jesus? Uh, I would first like to start out with a quote from Romans um, 13, 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with the joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, he has brought me so much peace in my life. I'm just going to tell you basically what he's brought me and then how I got here to where I am today. Um, he has been my healer. Um, I was letting go of the negative energy, and it healed me spiritually, mentally, and physically. He is my savior. He has saved me many times from things in my life that I thought uh, were good, but in the end, they were not good for me. They were actually uh, bad for me, and he helped me see that. He's my best friend, and I can always trust him because he will never leave me or forsake me. Um, of many things that happened in my life, I turned to him for help, and he has always showed the path what I should be on. Um, <laughs> he has brought me so much joy with family, friends, and most of all, my two granddaughters who have brought me so much joy and uh, blessings in my life, um, thanks to my daughter, <laughs> who's here today, by the way, and her boyfriend. Thank you for coming. Um, the joy and laughter I have had every week with the dinner parties, I am overjoyed and blessed to be able to worship and fellowship um, with all the amazing people every week. Um, I cannot wait till the dinner parties come and to see people here at church. I want to tell you a little bit about how I got to where I am, uh, to where I am now compared to where I used to be. Uh, God has worked through me and is definitely working in me. When I was growing up, I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic schools. Um, I went to church every Sunday. I would sit in the same pew week after week, month after month, year after year. I had a great upbringing. I had a lot of joy in my life. Um, I was in religion classes at school at uh, St. Joe's. I would learn about the Bible, but I was so into socializing that I never, ever um, took any of that in at all. So I raised my, my kids Catholic, my grandkids. Um, we all got baptized. They got baptized. I was doing what I was supposed to do that my parents did for me growing up. Uh, yes, I went through a lot of things, um, ups and downs in life, but it wasn't until one night in November of 2017 that changed my life and brought me to where... Uh, I am today. In a split second, I found a text message on my husband's phone that changed my life. He had turned on me with another woman. I remember during the course of this, getting on my knees, begging, God, please, please help me. How am I ever going to get through this? I did this over and over again every night, just asking to God, please help me no matter which way it went. Um, I found myself talking to him in the car and just uh, telling him about things of my day and, and everything I was going through. Lisa, who is downstairs right now, um, she has been my rock and my best friend for 35 years. She said, why don't you start listening to um, things online, like different preachers and reading books, and that's what I started to do. Um, and I saw things getting better bit by bit in my life, and so I continued to do this. I noticed um, the more I prayed and asked for help, the more things were changing in my life. I was driving to work in 2015, and God said to me, you need to change a little bit, so you need to move out of your place. And literally, I was like, oh my gosh, God is speaking to me. I better get this done. Um, at that point, I still had a little um, hope that our marriage would work out. Then I started to go, going to First Christian uh, with Lisa, and I thought to myself, but I'm Catholic. Uh, we do the same prayers, et cetera, et cetera. But when I went, I, ha I was happy I did. More and more, I could see myself wanting and craving um, God as, as I was feel 
I was feeling great when I would talk to him and I would pray with him, etc. I was thinking there is a lot, still a lot of hope in my life. In the fall of 2016, uh, Lisa said, let's go to Bullen Middle School and, and see what's going on there with the church. And the first thing I said was, wow, um, you can drink coffee in the church? <laughs> and and um, I said, okay, well, God, if, you know, as long as I'm praying to you that it's okay, it's not the important part. The important part is that I'm here. I was impressed with the sermon and the excitement in Britt's voice. The music was the best that I have ever heard. I thought to myself, this really could be the church that um, I was, but I was still a little bit torn. In 2016, I have a conversation with God, and we both agreed it would be best for me to file for divorce, and I did just that. I believe he was telling me to close the door so I can open another one, and boy, did he ever tell me the right thing. In February of 2017, I finally was divorced. Um, I had felt so good and was not stressed because I believed in the few years before that, God was with me, and he was showing me the way that it was supposed to go. In 2017, after I got divorced, a door had opened. I was promoted, and my income nearly doubled. I could not believe it. I remember sitting in human resources at work and saying, are you sure? Are you sure this is right? But and with tears running down my eyes, I knew this was God's work, and he was bringing me out better than ever. I trusted him, and and more and more, I came to the church to listen to Britt and his sermons, and the more and more I was craving and wanting to learn and be more involved in the church. In 2018, I decided to inquire on a house, on a house loan. They said to me, you have a lot of work to do. You are in debt, a lot of money. And I thought to myself, okay, God, we got this. And, and then he helped me through that. Sure enough, I paid my debt little by little, and, very, and it was very hard work, but I knew not to worry because God brought me this far, and sure enough, he's got my back on this one. October 2018, I bought my house. So with all this being said, God is great, and because of him, I am who I am today. He has done so many amazing things in my life. He is my savior, my healer. He brings me stability, faith, and hope in my life, and every day, and just knowing he is beside me all the time, and he's in me and through me makes him the greatest God of all. Hi, good morning. I'm Shannon. Um, we've been attending, my family and I have been attending Daybreak for almost a year. Um, I am very honored that Britt asked me to do this. Very nervous, but very honored. Um, the scripture that came to my head um, as my husband and I were driving here is um, sharing your testimony. It's, it's a really huge privilege. Um, it's terrifying, but it is an honor because we do overcome um, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So why Jesus for me? I came to Jesus at the age of 27, and it wasn't because I was in a wonderful place in my life. <laughs> it wasn't sunshine and roses, but it was quite the opposite. Nothing in my life was how I thought it would be. I was trying in my own strength to fix some very broken things in my life. When I got married five years before this, Jesus wasn't at the center of our marriage um, and our covenant. Instead, I put my very young and very human husband with his own issues in an elevated place in my heart, expecting him to be the source of my joy and my comfort and my contentment. Of course, that proved to be a poor plan, and he let me down, and I let him down too. It left me feeling disappointed. I desired to be sought after and fought for. And after a very difficult year, my husband wasn't choosing me anymore. I felt desperately rejected and alone. I knew of Jesus growing up. I went to um, church my entire childhood, Catholic school for nine years. Um, but I did not know Jesus. In those darkest days of my life, and I had nowhere to turn, I called on him. I called on Jesus, and he came sweetly. 
He definitely did not come to me because I deserved him to come. It wasn't because I knew how to pray. I just called to him from a completely broken and contrite spirit, and because he is so merciful, he heard me. When I looked toward Jesus instead of my circumstances, my whole life changed. It wasn't fixed all at once, but he came in a real way, and I felt loving kindness, and I felt his strength to keep going. I could see that through all the messes of my life, through all the running away that I had done from him, he was chasing me down the whole time. After I chose Jesus, I began to see that all that my heart desired, to have someone to love me unconditionally, someone who would pursue me and fight for me, I had it all along. It was him. I could never find contentment in a husband, in my kids, in my home, a job, money, or things, because every single one of these things would leave me bankrupt. I hadn't seen it before, this difficult season in my life. I kept doing things my way, living for myself, and really getting things all wrong. Jesus is the answer to the emptiness that I felt and that, to the emptiness that you might feel. He always is. He doesn't show up late. He doesn't run out on us. He knows what is best for us, and he sticks closer than a brother. And his plans for us are always good. Even when we hit the bottom, there's nothing that we can do that would make Jesus love us any less. When I started to read the Bible for the first time, and I allowed the Holy Spirit to teach me, I could see that my marriage, um, that my marriage in life wasn't about what I could get, what I needed, but it was about loving God and loving the person that he gave to me more than myself. It was about considering my husband more important than myself, and it was about forgiving so that I could be forgiven. Praise Jesus. He got a hold of my heart, and not just mine, but my husband's too. Jesus restored my marriage. He changed our lives and the lives of our children. He took beauty. He took ashes and made beauty. Jesus brought order to my chaos, peace to my heart, light to darkness, hope to hopelessness. Jesus is my joy and my closest friend. Daily, he invites you and me to dwell in his peace and his comfort. When we focus on his beauty and his faithfulness, everything on earth does grow strangely dim. One of the things that causes me to adore Jesus is the way he specializes in loving the unlovely. He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil, and that was me. He never expected us to come to him all cleaned up. He never required us to be, have our lives perfectly in order before he hears our cries of our hearts. He is so good that he wants us even with our ugly stuff. He didn't come for righteous, the righteous, but for sinners to repentance. I sing songs of adoration to him because of his amazing love, his love that saved me, his love that made right the wrongs, his compassion that never ends. He is the most beautiful. And I'll just end with this um, psalm. It's 9, chapter 9, verse 1 through 2. It says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. That's Jesus for me. <laughs> Go ahead and give those ladies another round of applause, please. I know that uh, I, I love how more and more everybody's testimony is like, well, the pastor asked me, freaked me out, but I did it. Ugh, there we go. So uh, it's in that asking that, that I, I, I hope this morning you're able to see... Um, like you, have an, you have a Savior who's authoring something in you. And the stories are going to look different. The stories may not always turn out as beautiful as we might hope. But yet they are hopeful because we have a Savior who does not leave or forsake us. As we heard from both uh, Jess and, and Jane, both that their hope of what God may do wasn't what he actually has done in this moment or what he ended up doing. But what he ended up doing is revealing himself more than they would have otherwise. And it's in those moments that, that we're pressed forward to ask the question of, God, where are you in my story? Where are you meeting me in comfort? 
And I want to challenge this. It's really important. And I, I love how um, all three of the women both had an experience and expression of a level of faith that they knew how to, I think Jess said it really well, she knew how to show up for church. But she didn't know how to show up with Jesus. And there's a massive difference. You can show up for church every single day of your life and be empty. Be broken. You can belong to a church and still miss it. That is why when we say to share the story of God with people so people belong to his story. Not just his church, but his story, his salvation, his authorship of what he's doing in their life. Romans 8, one of my favorite passages. I say this all the time. It's one of the the first verses I ever really memorized. But it was a verse that rooted itself as Stacy and I started Daybreak Church because we realized that we left to our own devices, would try to attract people to us. We would try to attract people to something that was happening here in this place. And if we weren't careful, we would win people to something other than Jesus. And what you win someone to, you save them to. And so if I save you with great speaking, you're doomed. (laughs) If I save you with great music, your ears might be tickled for 30 years but you're still doomed. If I get you to see the Savior, if I'm able to help reveal more of His loving kindness and mercy to you, and that is what attracts you, that is is what draws you near, is not me, not the music, not the orange carpet, not the beard, not any of the cool things happening around here, not the service projects, not the kids' ministry, not the beautiful artwork people do, not the amazing dinners that happen at dinner party, but if you can be won by the thing that wins and conquers all, which is Jesus himself... You have everything. Do you have him? Do you have him? Because Romans 8 says this, Therefore, there is no condemnation for any who belongs to Christ. So, I tell people this often, I don't care what your story has been, where is your story going? Who does the pin belong to in your life? Have you handed the authorship over to him? Because I, for one, know that God is a God who rewrites our stories. He is the author of perfect salvation. But I know this to be true about the king as well. He is pretty selfish. And he will not share the pen with you. He just, he just won't. Because here's the deal. If you try, you're going you're gonna to mess it up real bad. Um, He says, child, trust me. Trust me for the journey that I'm going to take you on. There will be ups and there will be downs. There will be pain like you've never experienced. But there will be a joy and a peace that passes all of your understanding because you stay rooted with me. And so I ask you again, what is your story? What is this song in your soul? Are you seeing Jesus at work in your life? And if you're not, why? This morning as we worship, I want to give you this invitation that every moment is a moment to restart in our moments with Jesus. To say, God, like today, the new day. You've made mercy for me today, and so I'm going to get fired up and riled up to worship you and make much of you. Today is the day that I can draw near to you. My past is my past. My present with you is what is important. And my destination and my future with you, I know, is where you want me to go. And so Jesus, right here, right now, like I just, I'm saying yes to you. Each of us has that opportunity to say this morning, whether it be for the first time, the 50th time, 500th time if you're me, maybe 5,000th if I'm honest. Who's the author of your story? We were invited and are invited into the most beautiful story ever. And that story reflects itself in communion. Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed with, by one of his close friends, Judas. 
stands before his friends at this meal, which I love represents the story, the narrative of God's unfathomable, constant love, showing that he is coming to redeem a people. So over Passover, they're celebrating this, this reminder of what God has done, is doing for the Israelite people, and promises to do for them. And as through this promise, Jesus takes this cup and he says, hey, I am this cup poured out for you and for all people. When you drink of this cup, you're drinking of me and my life. When you take this bread, this bread which represented you coming out of brokenness, out of shame. Jesus says, I am this bread broken for you and for all people. So when you take this bread, know that you're taking on my life as I've taken your life from you. We've had a beautiful exchange. So when we take communion, we are reminded of this story that we regularly enter into this story of forgiveness and grace that is constantly poured out for us for what we have done, what we are doing, and what we will do. Because we have a Savior who has promised to redeem our past, be with us in our present, and prepare us for a future. And so this morning, as you take communion, as we worship together, I ask that you would just pray, Jesus, what is the story that you're redeeming in me? Where have I seen you at work in my life? And when you process through that, your worship will become a little stronger this morning. Because you're singing from a place of knowledge. You're singing from a place of belief. That, whoa, yeah, I have a song. That there is a jubilee. There is a resurrection in my soul. There is a joy that goes beyond my understanding. There is a hope that I have for things to come. Thank you for listening. We long to share the story of God with people so people can belong to the story of God. If you would like to know more, please head to ourdaybreak.church for more information. That's www.ourdaybreak.church for more information. May you make much of Jesus this week in your life.